Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a show about things falling apart and how to put them back together again. I'm your host, Mia Wong, and today we have a really exciting episode. We're going to be talking to a group of workers from the California Nurses Association, which is specifically their their national organizing committee, which is, I think, better known to most people as NNU or National Nurses United. And these people are part of a shift of workers who was, for the first time, running a rank-and-file slate for the Council of Presidents, which is sort of, they're a body that combines the positions of vice president and president of the union. Um, they're called Shift Change. And so, Eric, do you want to introduce yourself? All right. Uh, my name is uh, Eric Cook. I've been a nurse for 32 years. I cur- currently work in the cardiac telemetry uh, floor. And I became a nurse after being a Navy corpsman in the first Gulf War and uh, just continued uh, in healthcare from there. I was originally in LVN and then became a registered nurse. And I've been on the past three negotiating teams for Altabate Summit Hospital. And um, I've seen a lot of changes in the attitude and movement of the union uh, in the past 12 years. So I'm uh, hoping uh, with John and Raina and Mark uh, to make a change uh, for our union and our members for the better. Yeah, glad glad you could be here. To join us. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Raina, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi there, I'm Raina Lindsay. I have been a California nurse for over 13 years, and out of those 13 years, eight of them I've been in Alta Bates Medical Center, which was my first union as an RN. 
Um, how I be, and also, I'm sorry, and also I work in ICU and I've been there through, been there for about seven years. Wow. And I worked with Eric a year prior to that. So um, the reason why I became a nurse is a long story, but the bridge version is um, at the beginning, I wanted to be a lawyer. So when I went to college, kind of found I was dyslexic. So that kind of backed out. And then I also was a teen mom, which that's something that a lot of people do not know about me. And during that whole process, I wanted to find something that I could be an advocate for people and also know the political side of it. So nursing became the best benefit. One thing I love about nursing is you can learn everything about the world and know about people without going anywhere. So that was the thrill. And then also being an advocate for the patients I take care for. In addition to that, you know, knowing my peers and knowing that we all have the similar um, struggles when it comes to the systems that we work for, it doesn't matter which employee you work for. And so being in the union, it gives you that, um, way of a contract between you and your employer. And along the way, there has been some issues which Eric and I and John all been experiencing where things do need to change. And being part of shift change is part where we have to change of leadership and be more transparent between the union, the employer, and the people in general. Hell yeah. And yeah, John, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm John Hieronymus. Uh, I'm a uh, PACU recovery nurse at University of Chicago. Um, before that, I was in the medical ICU for six, six and a half years. Uh, and then um, before that, I was like a uh, associate's degree uh, RN working at the uh, emergency room at Holy Cross Hospital. And I also started, which is funny to me, as an LPN, which is the same thing as an LVN uh, that Eric did. And I was a CNA before that. Um, I decided to become a nurse way back in the day when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after dropping out of high school. And I was thinking about, man, maybe I should become like a history teacher. And I was like, oh, why would I want to go back to this place I hate so much I dropped out of it? Um and I personally got like incredibly sick with something called ulcerative colitis. And I got um, a bunch of surgeries done and got some really amazing experience uh, being taken care of by nurses. And it became really immediately obvious to me. Like I also like Raina wanted to help people. Um, and also I thought that nursing was like a way where even like for, you know, individuals, I could change someone's day just a little bit for the better. Um, but also like maybe change some bigger things. And so I thought nursing was just like a really great way to do that. Also, um, I was really fortunate to be raised by an amazing nurse. My mom was uh, a nurse and, um, she was always like, she's like one of those people who's my hero <laughs> and, um, a lot of other nurses in my family, uh, both men and women, um, including someone who is like a Kentucky frontier nurse is like the first group of nurse wow. practitioner nurse midwives back in the, like the 1940s back in Kentucky. So 
Um, I've got a lot of nurses in my family and I'm just like incredibly um, proud to be like carrying on all the stuff that they have been doing for all their years as like nurses. So, and like meeting the folks out in California, like Raina and Eric, it just makes me feel so good. Like we're doing really important stuff um, in terms of both our daily practice of being a nurse um, but also like the, that we can have like this bigger impact on how things are happening in our profession in the healthcare industry and just the broader world. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we've, we've talked to like a decent amount on this show now about sort of the labor issues that have been facing nurses, both actually here and in the UK. And I think a little bit in a couple of other countries. Yeah. I was, I was wondering what were the sort of specific things that y'all were dealing with both just in the profession and then also in the union that got you all together to run the slate? Okay, so one of the things that caused us to actually meet uh, by coincidence was uh, one of my co-workers, uh, Torald Ordal, who's uh, uh, a Norwegian nurse who's uh, been uh, a nurse here in America for uh, over 30 years. Uh, she contacted Labor Notes and, uh, you know, realizing uh, something was wrong in our union, she started talking with uh, specifically Sarah Hughes at Labor Notes. And through Labor Notes um, and Sarah, we were able to connect with John in Chicago. And it was amazing that what we discovered is that our problems here in California were mimicking uh, what they've experienced in Chicago and through Sarah finding out uh, from other diverse uh, communities of nurses in Texas, Florida, North Carolina, New York, uh, and Minnesota, that the same things are happening there under our same union. And our complaint was through our union was that we felt we were being siloed. And of course, when I say siloed is Actually, in our negotiations, we had 17 facilities negotiating, but we were told that we were not allowed to communicate with each other. What? That it was, it was forbidden uh, by the uh, federal mediator. Now, what? this is my, yes, yes, <laughs> I know. It, that was my reaction initially, too. Uh, there were two other negotiators on the team, uh, and it was highly suspicious because the union wanted to put all new nurses onto the negotiating team. And that was a little bit of a red flag. There were so many red flags through this negotiations. I swear I, I could almost see Lennon's tomb. That's how many red <laughs> flags there were. Um, it was amazing to us is that they said the mediator forbade us from talking to each other because um, uh, that was part of the agreement to have the federal mediator. We, the three of us uh, that had previous experience with negotiating, just knew that was the wrong thing. And uh, it took over um, at least about seven months before we started breaking through to other tables and, uh, you know, communicating with them on text and having our own Zoom conversations with them to convince them that, no, this is a lie. We are allowed to talk to each other. And we end up finding out that we were kind of being railroaded into a, what we considered an agreement that was less than 
satisfactory for the workers, for the nurses who have suffered during the pandemic, we could have gotten probably one of the greatest contracts that any nursing body had ever received. We had the industry by the throat. We suffered so much, you know, John, everybody throughout the country, all the nurses suffered, everybody suffered, but everybody that was at that bedside during the pandemic, we, it was a horrific experience. It's great when you take care of people and you heal them. Yes, it's, that's a great thing, but the stress and the, you know, the unending anxiety that you felt. and then. In the midst of this, you have a union that shortchanges you at a point when we had so much power. And uh, thank heavens for Sarah to put us into contact with all these other nurses to realize that it wasn't just the Sutter Division of the California Nurses Association that was running things amok. It was actually, it seemed to be a perceived playbook plan of what they were doing throughout the country. And and I think nobody perceives themselves as doing evil or anything like that. I think they always think that they're doing it for the better interest of everybody. But that's what's, what's important about a rank and file movement is that every nurse, every person in the union is important and deserves a voice. And we don't need to be gaslit. We don't need to be mistreated by the union that we pay to represent us. We need to be marching on the boss. We could have had an unending euphoria for nurses with a contract. We could have had great staffing. We could have had better pay. We could have had everything that we wanted to make our work lives to be the best they could be. And it seemed our union already had a pre-planned agreement with the corporation. Now they deny that, but it's kind of hard to believe when they had the same agreement that they were supposedly negotiating in silos that they weren't communicating, each table was supposedly negotiating their own, but it was the same thing they wanted at every table. And not all the tables were equal. It was, it was very sad for us. Uh, like I said, this is the third negotiating team I was on. The first negotiating team uh, I was on, we, we lasted over two years negotiating, and we went through nine strikes and threatened a tenth and, until we got an agreement. So um, our, our hospital, obviously, it's Altabates Hospital in Berkeley. Our sister hospital is Summit Hospital in Oakland. And we have affiliated with us is uh, the Herrick Campus, which is the, uh, um, the psychiatric uh, facility. Uh, and we've, we have struggled so much through this pandemic. And it was amazing to us that we came up... Uh, with less than what we should have gotten. And I will tell you that thanks to Sarah and meeting all these other nurses, we were able to come back and I think through fear and intimidation, our union was forced to back us and we were able to get economically what we wanted. 
But like the rest of the country as nurses, we wanted better staffing. We needed more, more bodies at the bedside. We're overworked. We're fatigued. Um, Raina uh, worked in uh, the ICU and they had their own COVID unit there. Um, I don't think there was enough Tums and Rolaids to go around for all of those nurses. Um, the anxiety and, um, you know, the heart in your throat. And of course, John himself, um, I don't want to, his personal business, but, you know, his experience, he has long COVID. So we, we as nurses have suffered quite a bit and we expected a lot more from our union. Yeah. And I mean, even, even just on, on a very basic level, like it, no matter what you go through, you have the right for your union not to lie to you. <laughs> that's That seems like a very elementary sort of thing. That's a, just... that, that's a really elementary thing, Mia, but like it's really um, it's really scary um, how comfortable some of the people who are paid their wages out of our dues are with lying to us. I think that's a thing that like, um, you know, like we're one of the things we're specifically fighting for is like transparency and accountability, especially for our staff. Um, and, you know, when I, you know, Eric mentioned that I had had long COVID, I'm finally getting, I'm been to the point where I'm like as recovered as I probably ever will be. And which is great, you know, being recovered from long COVID <laughs> is so much better than having long COVID. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was always like someone that they came to to ask for help with like political sorts of issues inside the union um, or they would come to me for Medicare for all or, um, you know, uh, speaking um, around things like ratios, that sort of stuff. Or they would send me off to when the Chicago teachers went on strike in 2019. Uh, I was sent to speak on behalf of our union for them and, you know, just doing the work of uh, I'm kind of a I'm a bit of an agitator. And, um, then COVID hit and, um, it was, uh, just a really, uh, surreal experience. And my area of the hospital is one of those places where they basically did everything they could to minimize the amount of surgeries we were doing initially when the lockdowns were happening for the first six months of pandemic. And then, um, but they were moving us into, cause we are all former ICU nurses. So I would do my shift a few shifts up in the um, medical ICU. Then we made a special clean ICU because we were still getting traumas. Uh, University of Chicago apparently sees more penetrating gunshot and uh, stab wounds than any other hospital in the United States. 30% of our traumas are, um, are from some sort of uh, violence, um, which is substantially higher than anywhere else in the U S. Um, and then I got sick. Right. And so to me, the union was like a thing that was like, man, this is nice to have. I had never worked in a union hospital before getting union raises was like a big step up in my life, you know? Um, and it was also like, Oh yeah, our union's progressive. Like I kind of, I like most of the things that it stands for. Um, and, uh, I didn't really think of it as someone that needed the union, right. To do the things that unions really kind of like, it's the bread and butter of unions, which is like coming in and like helping you when you need help as an individual worker. And, um, you know, when you're not in the middle of like a contract negotiation and I got sick with long COVID and 
lost. We had negotiated this great, you know, like COVID sick pay policy and management just took that away without like for me, without really giving any notice or, you know, explanation why. And you sit there trying to get like the help that you need from your union. It's like, um, I'm trying to explain why it is that like, this is a problem for me to our labor rep. Who's like our, they call them business agents, labor reps, whatever. There are people who basically are paid out of our dues to kind of help us in theory, like stay organized and be pushing management to do, you know, to follow the contract. And, uh, it got to the point where like my partner uh, who's like, is like literally screaming at the labor rep while I'm on the phone with the labor rep. And she's, you know, just like, what the fuck is your union even doing? Like, why are they not making sure that you're taken care of? And it was like this really like come to Jesus moment where you're like, Oh yeah. Like this union shit isn't just like, you know, platitudes about like, we need a ratio bill in Illinois or, you know, uh, Medicare for all or Bernie Sanders. It's like, Oh, this shit is actually like, about my material well-being and like my family still hasn't recovered from all that because they only you know after an enormous amount of pressure was put on staff they finally started looking into it um and we got you know payouts for not just me but for 10 other nurses who had had their covid pay like uh cut uh, you know like really in unjust ways um and it really opened my eyes as to like what a union should be doing um, and it really opened my eyes that maybe there's a problem with how staff interact with us as workers, because like there should be, um, you know, we try and like say like, you know, there's a service union, service uh, business or service unionism, and then there's rank and file unionism. And we have this weird situation in our union where they tell us we're a rank and file democratic union, except the, the staff kind of treat us like you know, it's a business union. So we get told one thing, but then we see another thing. And like, not that I think that like, uh, it's, you know, the whole point of a union is you kind of pull together to take care of people who can't necessarily take care of themselves in that moment. And like, it just took an enormous amount of effort on my family's part to like, get that moving. And it just seemed incredibly, it was just very eye opening for me as a, you know, my experience here in um, Chicago. No, that that's really bleak. I mean, that that's another thing that you would, you know, you would expect a union like to just be on top of not, not even just a sort of, Oh, well you asked them and they started doing it. Like you, you, you would think that, Hey, the people who got COVID doing this job, not getting paid, what they're supposed to be getting paid would be like a priority and not something you have to fight them over. That is, Ooh, that is, that is incredibly grim. I don't know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Well, I have a story for you. So my first year working at Out to Bates, I, before that, I was working in smaller hospitals and they gave you certain packages about your benefits. So when it was time for me to get my benefits, I couldn't get my benefits at all because during Jeez. that time they were doing it at the yearly. So I said, is there any way possible at least to get something? Because mind you, they are paying for my benefits. I'm not paying for anything for it that... There should be a reason, because if I had any medical issues, what would happen? And basically, the union was very lackluster about it. Now, of course, I went to the manager, went to human resources. Basically, they basically told me, well, there's 1,800 nurses and, you know, what we're going to do about this issue. And pretty much it was... It has pretty much disappeared about it. There was nothing I could do. So for that whole year... So I worked in January of 2015. I had to wait till the following year to get benefits, to get medical benefits. Jesus. Now I got everything else. I'm going to be honest. I got everything else, but the medical benefits are important. But thank God I don't have any health issues. Thank God my daughters didn't have any health issues where we didn't require any help and it wasn't an emergency. But when I started noticing there were other nurses, RTs that were experiencing the same thing, because a lot of us got hired within that time frame, they weren't telling us these issues and we would end up getting these things sooner. And it's all about the transparency. It's all about our value. And then over the years, people always complain, I'm paying these dues. Why are they not helping? Why not supportive? And when I was actually hired, they were quick to give you the paperwork to tell you how to pay this off so they could take money off your dues quicker than what about the history about the union? Why is the history is why is the union important and what you can do if there's a grievance? There was none of that. And to this day, it's still the same thing because I precept new grads and I tell them about, you know, part of the union, what do you got? Oh, I didn't get a booklet or, oh, I didn't hear anything about it, but I got this paper here to so they could take <laughs> out my dues. That's what pisses me off, if anything, yeah. is that part. 
So, <laughs> so, and then all this um, stuff dealing with what Eric has told you, what we've been doing with the strikes and the negotiations. Me personally, we should have done negotiations within the first year of the pandemic. And I think we got everything, but they were quick to say, no, we're going to get all these facilities all together at one and so we can all negotiate. And then the gag order happened, the slam of the gag order. And I'm like, there is a lot of collusion going on and that yeah. shit needs to stop. <laughs> so, I mean, things that they don't really tell us, which I think is really a thing that we want to resolve is they don't really inform you of what your union rights are. You kind of get the initial, like, here's your wine garden rights, which means that you have a right to like representation whenever you're being disciplined. But aside from that, there's very little discussion inside of our union facilities um, in particular about um, the kinds of things that we have uh, as like union members, what our rights are, what are our rights within the union, um, how the union works. So many of my coworkers don't like a big part of our work is just explaining that there's an election happening. And um, so you would hear that an election had happened, maybe. And, you know, you would be like, well, who voted? I don't know. Like, and um, mm -hmm. you'd get these like, you know, all of the, the communication from about the election to us as the people who are like the, you know, the opposition has all been in these very like plain, uh, plain envelopes that don't look like anything. <laughs> like it could be like just an anonymous bill you wouldn't know um, mm -hmm. or junk mail. And so like. You know, as a union member, you have uh, something called a right to represent, uh, representation. So, and every uh, union, uh, every union employee and elected officer is considered a fiduciary, uh, has a fiduciary obligation to look out for your financial interests. And if they don't do that, it's called a failure to represent. Our union, in particular, spends uh, has brags internally about never having a uh they call them unfair labor practice like if a a nurse or any worker in any union decides that their union you know did not represent them their financial interests they can file something called an unfair labor practice claim for failure to represent our union is like they've never had an unfair labor practice claim stick uh we foia'd one of their unfair labor practice claims and somehow <laughs> it got like withdrawn like uh. in this really like sketchy way and it was like just a random one that we picked to just see what happened and so then it got like assigned like a special like liaison like uh afterwards like <laughs> they're like oh we weren't supposed to do that like when we contacted the department of labor um we're gonna look at that again and figure out what's going on uh. with this um and it also turns out when we started doing research which i think every union member listening to this should know every union has to file paperwork um they're legal there's legally mandated uh reporting so there's things called lm2s and 990s that you can get from the office of labor management you google them and they'll figure you can search for your own union um and you get to see the union finances and we found out that there's like 42 million dollars that our union just keeps in a bank account uh and this goes to uh there was an article it was in Jacobin. I'm not sure about like the financialization of unions and yeah. we're like $42 million. What is that? It's that like, and they, you know, unions will brag. It's like, Oh, we've got a $42 million war chest, but like, what are we spending that $42 million on? 
Uh, is it to like fight arbitrations exactly. and constantly be making like our like working conditions better and taking fights to the bosses? And it's like, no, actually, what they're doing is they're spending that money on settling unfair labor practice claims so they don't actually oh officially God. stick. <laughs> so the war chest isn't even against, uh, you know, isn't to go to war against our, you know, supposed, you know, I mean, to go to war against management, it's to go to war against kind of us. <laughs> when you think about it, it's just, it's just so wild when you start digging into this stuff. It's just crazy. Um, Eric, you want to tell them about the, the office in Oakland? Yeah, so uh, obviously we're in the heart of the empire. Um, you know, I live a, just a few miles from uh, the CNA headquarters, and I've been there many times prior to the pandemic. Um, I, you know, and I have taken part in lobbying in Washington, D.C. on behalf of the union, uh, you know, Nurses from all across the country uh, that are in the union go to D.C. and we lobby for, uh, you know, not only for single payer uh, and Medicare for all, but, uh, you know, uh, individual bills that will benefit nurses across the country, whether they're in the union or not. And, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with it. I've lobbied in Sacramento and I've been to the NNU convention in Minnesota. So I've met a lot of nurses across our union. In fact, it's one of the, when you do that, that's about the only time you get to reach out and see other union members. Um, one of the things I will tell you that John and I, and uh, the person that's not on the call right now is Mark Goodick. He is a an American citizen now, but he was a Canadian nurse before. And uh, he is right now working on our campaign video. Um, to introduce us uh, to a broader uh, audience. And that's why he's not on the call tonight. Um, we, we should be intermingling and talking with other nurses across the country. I should not be siloed here in Oakland and not knowing that what a nurse is doing in Texas. That's and true. yeah, we need to be Part of our pledge is that we're, we need to join hands across this country. Every nurse needs to see, we need to digitalize our contract. We need to see uh, University of Chicago's contract digitalized. We need to be sharing our contracts so we know what good things that maybe they got in Texas or what good things they got at the University of Chicago or what good things we have in our contract. We need to see that nurses can say, hey, I want that language. We need to be sharing that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's not happening or why it's just at the upper tiers of union management that they see these things. But we, we need to be joined together. No more siloing nurses. You know, Altivates to nurses, stay in your lane. Uh, Kaiser nurses, uh, stay in your lane. Uh, University of Chicago staying you're like no 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 we need to be one fighting body for the betterment of nurses uh, doubt you know it's amazing when you find out that uh, we have a, a beautiful building that uh, the union purchased in downtown Oakland um, you know they only occupy a few floors of it and they rent out the rest Um and you know what? It is a, a fabulous building and it would be great for it to be a headquarters where we're 
We're not just fighting and lobbying for democratic politicians, but we're actually fighting for nurses at the bedside. And that's what, you know, our whole mission is that we're going to be running for is for the council of presidents. We need to take the macro focus down to what is happening at the bedside for every nurse across the country and make the change for the better for them. And that's the big difference here. Uh, I'm all for an activist union. And I think we, and we have been, uh, the union is active in, you know, climate change and, you know, how the environment affects the community. Uh, these things are important, uh, but it's more important that we, we take care of the nurses at the bedside and offer opportunities for those nurses who want to be involved to make the community better. We need to have those resources available for them. And if we make nurses' lives at the bedside better, we're going to have more nurses available to make the community better. And that's what we need to be working on. Um, it, is a, it is going to be a fight. Uh, I can't be more, more honest than to tell you, uh, we are David versus Goliath. Uh, we are four nurses who really have no big national exposure but the most important thing we have is that we're bedside nurses and we know what's important for bedside nurses i do want to say like there's four of us who are running for the for the council presidents but we would not be even talking to you if we didn't have like at least oh. 100 nurses all over like the hospitals that we're based in, like doing the work of building our, our campaign. So I do want to point out that like, because like our slate is like three white guys and it's Raina and Raina is like, and we, we want to make sure that we're not, that it's, we made a choice. The choice that we made was not, you know, us coming together as four individuals being like, we should fix the union by ourselves. It was, this uh, we keep mentioning labor notes. There's a healthcare worker chat with a fair number of uh, nurses in our union, um, and we noticed that there was an election coming up. And this is also at the time when uh, both Alta Bates was having their issues, and then in Cook County we had a particularly traumatic uh, firing of a very popular staffer who, like, without any uh, without any um, input from the local nurses or elected local nurse leadership um and we got together and we all were like what are we gonna do this is crazy and we had people like we were like well who would do like we have this opportunity and if we run as a slate we can do things like get access to we can send emails out to other nurses and break down those silos connect nurses from across the country um and we we're like well if we don't do anything we're kind of stuck in this kind of like square one of, you know, a few small hospitals talking to each other. Um, not small, but, you know, a few hospitals talking to each other, still struggling against like these kind of silos that have been constructed for us by staff. And we had a vote and there was, you know, over 20 nurses all together raised their hands and were like, we could do this with an imperfect group of people that we recognize isn't like the rep fully representative of everyone in the union, but are fully committed to democratizing the union. Um, or we could sit and wait. And um, 
a nurse who had been in the union for a very long time and she's now retired said, if you all don't take this chance, you don't know what could happen. And, you know, three years from now, union could be completely different. And so uh, two thirds of everyone in that call said, it's time to go. And we don't care. We would rather that you run and take that swing and maybe get big for all of us. So a big part of what we're doing is got like, I've got a meeting with, you know, Cook County nurses on Thursday, and they're all basically going to come to me and tell me all the shit that I need to do for them, not the other way around. <laughs> when you're a, the rank and file leadership, you know, it's like taking that pyramid and you invert it, right? The people who are matter the most are the regular bedside nurses. And all we can do as like people who step up into that role is we take that we take that heat and put ourselves out there so that we can enact what our coworkers are asking us for. I literally have coworkers walking up to me completely unsolicited. I'm a very like, I'm not walking around telling I like, I told a few people up front in the beginning because I was like, all right, you're about to see my face on some flyers. Let me tell you why. <laughs> um, but uh, I now have coworkers coming to me and they're like, John, you've got to tell me what the fuck's going on because uh, I heard a little bit about it and I need to help you. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> it's very, it's like, I, it's a little bit like a drug, but I have to be careful because like, I like, I can't let this whole thing, like none of this, we, we all have to stay humble as we're doing this because we, all, all four of us, John, all four of us were volunteering <laughs> to help other people to run exactly <laughs> we, we were like okay we're here uh you know john mark uh, reina myself we're we're here to help you guys who's running now Let, I'm, we're yeah. gonna help you <laughs> we're gonna help you and and then it's like the crickets you know and it's like uh, um, uh, exactly. and it goes and to show exactly how, what happened it goes to show how um impoverished the internal democracy of our union is that people who are leaders already did not feel comfortable or prepared to take on that kind of leadership role. You know, these are nurses who have been in our union for decades who are taking fights to their bosses all the time already. And they did not feel that they knew enough about the union because there's an intentional, I believe like obscuring of how the union works. And that's like how you end up with a situation where people are like, well, I guess we're just kicking the door down for all these people who we know will be doing it better when we get it situated so that they can do it better. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It's amazing, though, to tell us that in American history class or you have civics class, you learn about the U.S. government, right? You know how it functions, how it mm-hmm. runs. But when it comes to our union, we were all asking each other, you know, we were putting pieces together. Um, oh, wait, I know the council of presidents. Yeah. Well, how does this person fit into it? How does the board fit into this? Well, how does the election run? How is it done? We had no. We had to search out the answers. We had to call all sorts of people, and we were only getting bits and pieces. There should be a clear outline of how you run a democracy in a union. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shouldn't even be that difficult. You know, obviously there, there there'd be specific rules for the union, but they shouldn't be occluded. They should be. You know, there, there shouldn't be occulted from the from the members. We should clearly know how you step forward to be a, a a more of a contributing member to the union to run and to serve the others in the union and that was an amazing thing that we're finding out amongst each other it's like wow how how does our union run i mean how why is it difficult to find out these things and i mean i don't think it's insurmountable for us I don't think that should disqualify us. I don't think uh, if we can step in and uh, do healthcare in a pandemic, we can very easily uh, learn how to uh, how the union functions in a quick uh, a quick little tutorial. I don't think that's going to be a big deal for us. Uh, but yeah, right. it's pretty amazing if we're talking about democracy in a union. How is it that it takes? I mean, to find the bylaws, we can all tell you it, it took a tremendous amount of what? effort to find the bylaws that Jeez. our union runs by. Hold on, hold on. Let me tell a story about the bylaws. So we have a, a nurse in Chicago who decided to make a pain of themselves about how to get the bylaws. And then instead, they went to the union. You're like, I want to see the bylaws. I want to see the bylaws. And they were just like, you know, like, and they gave him the runaround. Um, and what? eventually they gave him, he got a personally delivered, uh, envelope that was like a, a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of the oh bylaws. <laughs> um, and it's funny cause the legally, the bylaws are all supposed to be filed with the federal government and like from our pressure and organizing to figure out how our union worked, they had to publish the newest set of bylaws and on the federal reporting websites. Um, 
I was in uh, Oakland in 2019 for the Global Nurse Assembly, and there was an after party, and it was a bunch of staffers and like you know some nurses and you know just chit chatting. And I was like, man, it'd be really good. I told the story about you know like uh, the you know the nurse who tried to get the by finally got a copy of the bylaws to you know some of these one of these staffers. I'm like, man, it'd be really great if we you know could figure out how are you know you got any hints for how the union works and just is like good luck with that and they just disappeared what i'm not yeah i mean because because what we're finding is that as any staff that help nurses learn how the union works find themselves out of a job like that's what's really that's what really sketches everyone out is when like people i mean you all can tell tell the story about the 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 staffer who like got run, run ran afoul so uh, I, I will tell you that there are a lot of great labor reps. Yes, a lot there of, are well, good staffers. A lot of really great people out there. But to tell you that they would communicate with us, because obviously I told you I've done all these other actions, so I know a lot of people, and they have my personal number just because we would, you know, when we're in other cities, you know, you text each other. And, uh, hey, we're at this place now. Where do we meet you, et cetera? So we were getting texts from some labor reps in the union saying, you know, you guys need to stand tall. Uh, there are a lot of us supporting you. Uh, we can't come out and publicly support you because we'll get fired. What? So, yeah. So we were getting these texts from the labor reps saying what they're doing to you is wrong. And they were, you know, we actually got together and we, we wanted to go out on strike in October and we were getting this runaround uh, from a group of this. I thought they were, it was just an inner cabal. Little did I know that it probably extends throughout the, you know, the organization, but that they were telling us that there was no need for a strike. And it, it, it seemed they were trying to just pressure us into taking a pretty uh. low, low ball contract. Uh. And, and so, uh, we're we're getting push you know the the good labor reps are are texting us like stick it stick to it stick to it and we actually got a postcard campaign and we actually drove up to the executive director's house in sacramento <laughs> knocked on her door and delivered 500 and some postcards wow. that we we organized on our own not not with you know it wasn't a a, a union driven it was just nurses union nurses driven and we delivered postcards saying we want to go out on strike. And the union, of course, still fought us on it, but we were allowed to go out on strike. And uh, there's a video of us confronting uh, the executive director at our strike line, uh, asking her why we were gagged, why the mediator gagged us. And she clearly didn't know what was going on. because She said, the mediator wouldn't gag you. Why would they gag you? So she didn't <laughs> even know what was going on oh, no. at, at our table. We what? then got, we were contacted and they, we were told, oh my God, they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off <laughs> because mm -hmm. they're petrified that they might oh. lose their jobs, that they've been exposed to what they've been doing to you. Mm -hmm. And so one of the labor reps that used to work for us, uh, uh, she used to be at our hospital and then she uh, moved along and she was at uh, uh, Sutter Solano. And uh, 
her her nurses were asking, hey, did you see this video of this speech Eric made on this, uh, you know, at, at the strike line? And it was a, a speech where I kind of excoriated the union about why they would gag us, that that wasn't, you know, we needed to be united and we didn't need a union, you know, working behind our back. We They needed to stand with us. And so she says, well, let's see. So she was looking at the video on her union cell phone and with the negotiators, nurse negotiators at her hospital, Sutter Solano, who were also in negotiations with us that we weren't supposed to talk to because, you know, the mediator forbade us. So she's showing the video and they thought because she uh, was formerly at our hospital that she was our inside scoop for all this information. What? I can, I can swear to God and take a lie detector test. I had one exchange with her during like the 21 months uh, that we were negotiating. And it was at a joint bargaining council meeting on Zoom where they kept, uh, the union kept muting us on Zoom. What? And, prevent, and preventing us from writing in the chat because we were saying, mm-hmm. we want to go out on strike. We want to go out on strike. And next thing you know, we would find out we couldn't type in the in the chat. So I, I texted her and says, can you see this? I'm trying to to write in the chat and I'm forbidden from writing in the chat. They, they muted me. They, they, I can't type in. And she goes, I'm feel for you, buddy. I feel for you. That was my only exchange with her that caused her. And the fact that her nurses asked her to look at this video with them. That's Mm. what cost her her job. Jeez. It was, it was clearly guilt by association and, and the charges were outrageous for her. Uh, we had labor reps leave because they just felt that um, it was, they couldn't live with themselves with what they were doing to the nurses. It, it was incredible for them that they're here to work for the nurses. They're here to work for the most progressive union in the country. And it was a fraud. That's been like a big, like consistent problem is that we know that they are busting their own, like the staff are supposed to have a union. Mm-hmm. The staff exactly. have their own contract and that's a normal thing inside unions, right? Yeah. That, you know, to keep, uh, you know, we believe in or that every worker who, you know, works for wages should be in a union. And we have seen time and again that like the, like the contract that they've busted their own unions. Jeez. So like that they've uh, there was a slate that was run of uh, nurses in um, or not nurses of the the staffers. I think it was in 2021 where they were like trying to get something together uh, to change, you know, things inside, you know, how they relate to their management. And um, and several of those uh, staffers were basically illegally fired. Jesus. Um, so this is like, I mean, and I know you keep saying Jesus a lot, but like, there's a reason, <laughs> Mia, you know me, I wouldn't be running into this sort of situation if it wasn't like so yeah. like out of, uh, out of this world, the stories that we hear. And they're the same. This is what's disturbing, is it? And it's because the union is baked. Like, I was just talking to a lawyer today. She was looking over the bylaws of our union, and she's like, this is set up like a local like it's one big local union. Uh, it's got like a tiny little committee of people 
who are making the decisions that affect, or we believe that it's mostly the director, non-nurse director staff that make mm. the decisions, but these four people kind of rubber stamp them and that they make decisions for 150, you know, thousand some odd nurses. Jesus. Um, and it's so centralized, you know, this is one of the things is, uh, describe is like it's almost irresponsible because you know we live in you know you know crazy times and all it takes is one wrong election or bad uh decision in the supreme court and it would literally our union could be dissolved with like you know if they just arrested you know a handful of people and uh and froze our bank accounts and a big part of our goal is to help disperse those resources out and to foster more local leadership so that in the event that, you know, something, you know, like that terrible happens, like that we're not caught without anything because the way it's situated now is we have this massive concentration of, uh, of all of the decision-making and resources in a very small group of hands. And most of these people are, uh, are not, have never been nurses or if they've been nurses, they've been, you know, out of practice for so long um that they wouldn't know how i mean they maybe they could put band-aids on i don't mean to like i don't want to disparage anybody you know a nurse is a nurse i know nurses you know you get you learn it yeah. and you learn a lot of things it's really important great skill but there's something to be in practice if i you know i can walk back into my the medical icu i used to work in um you know now it's going on like five years and be the same nurse that i was when i was at the peak of my practice there and there's a real key thing to i think we're all committed. None of us are doing this because we want to be the face of uh, California Nurses Association, National Nurses United for the next 20, like 30 years. We're doing this because we feel that um, there's a uh, real value to there being a continual turnover in leadership, new ideas, people bringing in um, new energy. Um, we think that nurses should have the opportunity to work release time so that they could see how the union works as staffers from the inside and then go back to the regular jobs. Mm-hmm. We're doing everything we can to like, I, I like my job. I think my job's great. I don't want to leave my job, but doing what we can to bring our our mentality as those bedside nurses to the sensibility of running the union, because nursing does give you a lot of really powerful tools as like a, you have to be able to listen to people. You know, we're not listening a lot tonight, but you know we've got to talk and get the word out. Um, being able to kind of see the a big thing we see is like you know you have a lot of people who will tell you th- things, and then they act in a different way, and that's a big part of um, nursing practice is being able to understand what people's real deal is, and uh, you know it's kind of that's one of the things that's real frustrating is like. We know when people are lying to us, like I know we all know when like the staff are lying to us. Nurses do have bullshit detectors. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, I slept through the, uh, the class in nursing school where they teach you how to grow eyes in the back of your head. The class I slept through where they teach you to get a third arm. And I really regret sleeping through the class where they teach you how nurse mitosis, like being able to asexually reproduce an extra nurse. Um, but I definitely didn't sleep through the class where I can learn, where I can see 
when someone is saying one thing and then but it's like but they're fucking lying to me yeah and that's like a that's like a a constant theme and that's one of the things that's driving a lot of our organizing is that a lot of people are tired of just being lied to Mm -hmm. by people who are paying their paychecks and it's like and it's like they think that we i mean we have staff informants right we know people inside staff who are allied with us we know how they talk about us when we're not there they talk mm-hmm. about us like we can't figure this shit out. And it's like, motherfucker, I know how to keep a person alive who like who shouldn't be alive. Like right. I know how to walk a family through like, you know, multiple family members with conflicting opinions through like an end of life discussion and uh, along with a doctor who can't really make up his mind. Like you don't think it while well, I've got, you know, like multiple pressors and like continuous dialysis. You don't think I can't figure out like when you are like telling us one thing and then another thing's happening. We know why they're canceling meetings right now. They don't want us talking to each other. We're, we get that. And this is kind of like it's it's almost like a feminist practice. Like of women talking to each other makes men nervous. Right. And it's like nurses talking to each other makes management nervous. And it sure as hell is making our union nervous. We want our union to be encouraging nurses talking to each other and not like discouraging it. And anytime someone is discouraging people from talking to each other who have similar concerns, that is an immediate, you know, like Eric was saying, the red flags. It's like, this is the kind of thing that like, this is, it's like an almost an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I would not be running if it wasn't this intense of a problem. This has been, it could happen here. Join us tomorrow for part two of the interview, where Shift Change discusses more of their vision for what the union could be. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at HappenHerePod, and you can find Coolzone Media the same places at Coolzone Media. We've also posted a link in the description to Shift Change's GoFundMe if you want to help support their campaign. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 